This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. At Lowe's, we're your go-to for great gardening values every day. That's why we've lowered our price on select bagged mulch, now starting at just $2.88 a bag. Mulch helps prevent weeds and retains moisture, and when you put it down around trees, shrubs, and flower beds, you'll see how beautiful it makes your outdoor space, just in time to welcome back family and friends. Shop online and pick up in-store. Lowe's, home to the best part of summer. Selection and product availability vary by location. While supplies last, U.S. only excludes Alaska and Hawaii. Whether you're buying a new car or used one, it's a big investment, which is why you should choose Pennzoil Platinum. It helps extend the life of your engine and protect it up to 15 years or 500,000 miles, whichever comes first, guaranteed. That's because Pennzoil's base oil is made from natural gas and 99.5% free from engine-clogging impurities. The proof is in the Pennzoil. Enrollment required? Keep your receipts. Other conditions apply? See Pennzoil.com warranty for full details. Find it at Firestone Complete Auto Care moment to remind you that this month film study is brought to you by manscaped support for this episode comes from manscaped manscaped has the right tools to get the job done quickly safely and hygienically um go ahead and get check out manscaped manscaped.com use the code birdland for 20 percent off it's summertime you need manscaped it's the only men's brand dedicated to below the waist grooming they have forever changed the grooming game with their perfect package 3.0. It's constantly a number one recommended gift for men. You should check it out. It's getting warm out. You can use it. Use the code BIRDLAND for 20% off at manscaped.com. Do yourself a favor and get the best tools for the job. And as their slogan always says, your balls will thank you. Another film study. This is Ken McCusick. How are you doing? Uh, joining me today, we have Josh Wiesner, a guy I met on Reddit some time ago, and we've had a lot of very interesting conversations there over the last couple of years. Josh, how are you doing today? Well, I'm doing good. I appreciate you having me on the show. I've uh, been reading your stuff for years. Big fan, Ken. 
I, I appreciate that, Josh. Always on on uh, scheduled plug. That's nice. How did you become uh, a Ravens fan? Uh, when did you first and and uh, football analytics as well? Yeah. So uh, not to go too in detail, but uh, funny story. I was I was like eight years old. My dad took me to a game. Um, I believe they played the Bengals, and and I want to say they won thirty-seven nothing. Thirty-seven nothing. It was uh, the two thousand game. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And uh, the place was going wild. You know, we were in the 500s and, you know, rowdy section and and uh, I couldn't get enough of it. I was only eight at the time. And um, obviously they went on to win the Super Bowl that year. Um, kind of quite a way to, to kick it off. Um, been a season ticket holder since 04. Uh, haven't missed a game in 15 years and, and can't get enough of it. So, oh, that's terrific. Where, where are your seats? Uh, I'm down in 123 now. Uh, okay. It's it's a little quieter than when we were in the 500s, but uh, still a good crowd. All right, good section. Okay, so uh, that's great. Today we're going to talk a little bit about the pass rush. By the way, I know what I want to say. That 2000 game against the Bengals had a very special event occur during it, and uh, you know the Ravens shut out the Bengals for three consecutive years at home and outscored them. I think 75 to nothing uh, during that period. But in the 2000 game, they won 37 to nothing. Corey Dillon had 16 carries for four yards. And after a late game loss in, in that play, do you remember what he did? I don't. Did you ever hear? Okay, so if you ever watch the game on TV, he quit. He, 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 took, he stuck the ball down on the field and walked off the field. I've never seen it done before. And the coaches, I think it was Coslett at the time, is telling him go back on the field. And he just went over and sat on the bench. They had to call timeout. Uh, and uh, and then move forward from there. But ugly, ugly game for uh, for Dylan's career and for the uh, for the Bengals, obviously. Yeah, that that sounds like running backs facing uh, facing the early Ravens defenses. So, yeah. <laughs> all right. So anyway, we're gonna talk about the pass rush today. Really looking forward to this because I know you really know your stuff. But uh, give me your thoughts here, and let's uh, let's have a little discussion about the 2020 Ravens pass rush. Yeah, I, I think it's a, you know, a little bit in transition here. Um, obviously, we brought in Campbell and Wolf, um, you know, even going back to last year, no Suggs that that for so many years, Ravens pass rush, you just start with Suggs. Um, but I, I think, you know, you've had a ton of articles about about Wink's scheme and, and about, uh, you know, trying to generate pressure uh, with with different looks and different blitzes and different packages. I think we're kind of going to see more more of the same there. Um, I'm excited to see what he has cooked up. Um, it, it should be interesting. Yeah, I think that's a good bet. Is that they'll they'll go to more scheme. Uh, you know, I miss Suggs for another set of reasons. Is that Suggs was the rock edge setter that the Ravens had for a year that made them always a very good nickel defense run team. And you know, the NFL now, other teams, other offensive coordinators force the nickel by putting three wide receivers on the field because they want to run the ball out of 11 personnel. And to, to then defend that, your six guys have to be pretty good. You have to have two very difficult-to-move interior guys, two good inside linebackers, and, and, prefer, and preferably two good edge setters as well. And the Ravens did not have that last year. They, all they really had was the, the two good down linemen, uh, and it hurt a lot. In fact, they, you know, the last two years, they've really missed Suggs in, in that respect. Yeah, I think that gets lost a lot in, in, you know, Sugg's career accolades. Everyone likes looking at the sack totals, which are obviously impressive. But he was he was at the peak of the peak when it when it came to, you know, the setting the edge and, and the run game. And, and that really goes underappreciated. 
I think his locker room presence, you know, is is another part that that was really underappreciated. He was kind of the glue of that team for a long time. Um, you know, kind of kind of played referee between the offense and defense, but he got a lot of different types of leaders in football and you know, Ray Lewis obviously led with intensity and uh and a there's a there's a spirituality to what he did that that I that you know people would call preacher Ray. Some people didn't like it, but I think I think a lot of players it did resonate with. Suggs always the clown on the team. And if you've ever been to camp, there's three fields there, and no matter what field he's on, wherever you are within that entire perimeter, you know exactly where he is because he's broadcasting to that entire three field area. Yeah, I, I always enjoyed seeing him at camp, uh, hoping he'd pull out a T-shirt. He he had different T-shirts <laughs> at times, and and always always a funny guy. But uh, definitely miss him. Um, curious to see if and where you know uh, he ends up in in 2020. But so you know, obviously the Ravens went through this draft and they didn't take an edge rusher, and they obviously had some opportunities and they took other positions that people would say maybe weren't need. Dobbins in the second round. Malik Harrison in the third round when they when they already had a one inside linebacker selected. Uh, what was your feeling about that? Yeah, I think when you look at the draft, you know, it's kind of been somewhat of a common theme for the last five to ten years now. You know, the Ravens historically kind of pick towards the, the middle to the back end of the first half of the draft. Um, you know, I think a lot of the elite guys go early, you know, even when we pick top six, you know, you're not getting a Joey Bosa, you're not getting a Miles Garrett, you're not getting those kind of guys. Um, there, there was a little bit of a rumor a few years ago, we like Marcus Davenport, and even at 16, you know, the Saints jumped up and took him. Um, and I think, you know, we, we've tried in the past a little bit in the second round, you know, the Sergio Kindles, the Courtney Upshaws, you know, they've been, obviously, Kindle was, was you know, an off-field uh unmitigated disaster, not to his own fault. But, um, you know, they, they haven't quite been the, the, the splash pick that we wanted. Um, I, I think it's a tough spot to pick, you know, and, and again, you know, when you're going BPA, uh, it, it, that's not always, you know, the strongest position group at the back half of the first round. Yeah, that's, that's true. And that it, the pick at 14 that I've talked to saints fans who thought that the saints were moving up to take Lamar Jackson at that point. And they did, that was before the 2019 season. So, you know, they did miss out in a sense there. In fact, it was during the 2018 season before it was when they played the Saints. Flacco was still the quarterback. So they didn't even know how good Lamar was. But the other the other thing that that allowed the Ravens to do is they had the two great picks. Either one of them would have been fantastic for them. Derwin James and uh, Tremaine Edmonds were available at number 16. And I don't I don't have a problem trading that pick as much as I have a problem not getting value for that pick at that point. You get two players like that on the board, you're no longer in a situation where you need to trade by the um, JJ chart value. You should you should expect a premium. Yeah, certainly. I think, you know, five, ten years from now, we'll look back on it and see, you know, getting a second back for Hurst and, and obviously jumping into the end of the first for Lamar uh, has been a, a tremendous, you know, uh, return on investment there. Um I think if if I had one criticism of the front office over the past decade, it's a little bit of a lack of a killer instinct in the draft. Um, you know, whether you look at the Des Bryants or or the Jalen Ramseys or whatever guys that they happen to, you know, rumored to have loved, they, they just they they don't like spending those mid round picks, you know, jumping up and, and taking their guy. 
And I can't fault him when you consistently find guys like Judon in the fifth round and, and you know, those picks are valuable. You know, you, you don't want to just throw them away. You know, other teams kind of see it differently. But, uh, yeah, they they definitely, you know, aren't, aren't always keen on, on, you know, jumping up and giving up assets for that. So, Right. I, I definitely agree with that. Judon and McPhee have been a couple good later round picks. Uh, okay. So they have their pass rusher in place, their best pass rusher, Matthew Judon. They seem unwilling to make a long-term deal with right now. I've got my theories on that, but do you think that Judon is a guy that the Ravens should try and re-sign? So I have a, <clears throat> I have a tough time with, uh, I have a tough time with Judon because, you know, historically he, he kind of fits the mold of, of those Ravens free agents, you know, where the defense and, and the sum of the parts, you know, uh, don't quite tell the whole story. Uh, Zadarius Smith really threw me off on that one though. Um, you know, we, we had the Paul Krugers and we had, I did like McPhee and, and I think that he really did well in Chicago and, uh, people kind of undercredit like his peak when he was in Chicago. But, um, you know, I, I thought for sure Zadarius having watched him, you know, he benefited from being opposite of Suggs and we schemed him into blitzes and, I thought Green Bay was crazy for giving him, you know, the amount of money that he got. And obviously he proved me completely wrong last year. Um, you know, Judon four years in, I think for a fifth round pick has been phenomenal, but he still hasn't hit double digit sacks. I think he got nine, nine and a half last year. Um, and, and, you know, he, he's a good three down player. He, he, he can play the run. He can, you know, they'll, they'll put him in, in pass coverage from time to time. Um, but he's just definitely not a 15-sack guy, and that's kind of the premium that, that he's asking for. Um, it, it's, a tough, it's a tough value because you don't have anyone to replace him. So, you know, you have to ask what kind of a hole you're leaving on your roster if you do let him walk. Right. I, I, I think that's a significant concern, and, and there's maybe another area. I love the fact that Bowser and he, the flexibility they provide, both being on the field at the same time on third down. I call them two Sam linebackers. Obviously, you've got a strong side. You've got a weak side. So it doesn't really make sense in that sense. But but what I'm really saying is both of them can drop to cover, which gives you an unbelievable number of schematic combinations you can use to rush the passer. And they really drive that. And both Bowser and Judon, very good cover guys. You know, very effective you know, dropping and, and doing what they need to. Judon has become a very good diagnosis guy in terms of making splash plays for negative yards. Uh, and uh, and Bowser has been very good in coverage. And I, I just, I think they would really miss that. And potentially both will be gone at the end of 2020. Well, on that note, I'm really curious to see this season. You know, we're kind of following in that footsteps with uh, Patrick Queen and Malik Harrison. Um, you know, neither of those guys haven't watched some of their college tape. You know, a lot of people say Queen's a little undersized. He he covers the pass really well. I think he's going to be in a lot of blitz packages. Um, you know, I think that they've got four linebackers, maybe even five with Ferguson. I think Ferguson's more of a, a bull rush straight up the field kind of guy. But they've got, you know, they've got options there to, to really mix up the packages. I think that, you know, what they do with Bowser and with Judon, will really almost be out of those guys' hands and more in the hands of the two young linebackers that they just brought in, you know, as far as how much they produce this year. 
Yeah, so they'll depend on those guys more for coverage, and that still leaves you with some of those options. That that's good. I just like I love the ability to drop guys from off the line of scrimmage and have them be useful because I think that can that really uh, allows you to bring safeties, corners, whatever you want to do to uh, uh, to rotate things and and get big pressure. I mean, the double corner blitz against LA this last year was one of the most amazing football things I've ever seen. Sending both yeah. outside corners on the same play. I mean, it, to, to give you an, the listeners an idea, Jimmy Smith has blitzed something from the outside, something like 10 or 11 times his entire career. And he got a sack on that play. And to think that you'd ever send both. Ryan sent sent one or the other, and I think he might have done 10 outside corner blitz in, blitzes in 2006 when Samari Roll got a sack, but it just doesn't happen. It's, uh, it's weird. It's great to be able to, to set that up to happen. Uh, you mentioned also the number of players, a number of different combinations of players they can use on third down. And so we obviously talked about the inside guys, about Campbell and Wolf, and they're here. Uh, Brandon Williams played a lot last year. I think he'll play less this year on passing downs, would be my guess. You agree? No, absolutely. And then they have Matabike, who is a very fast interior guy. The thing I love about those three interior guys is that they all have good over and under capabilities as stunters. And in particular, the big guys who have over capabilities are quite rare. So Matabike, that really shows up on tape from his from his college days. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited. The the front three, you know, uh, what Wink does. You know, I, I go back every couple weeks or, or once a month and, and look at some of uh, Calais Campbell's tape even. And, you know, he's such a, a monstrous man that you think he's he's going to kind of be this penetrating, just bull rush only kind of guy. And it's amazing what the guy does with his hands and he'll loop around and he'll beat tackles coming from the inside out. And, and he's just a phenomenal athlete. If you get within arm's length of him, you're not getting away. And, and and I'm just really excited to see what uh what Wink scheme, schemes up with him. Um, you know, Wolf, I think a lot of people see Wolf as a big name. He put up seven sacks last year. I'm not sure he's going to put up big numbers, but I think that he's another guy, you know, that they're going to do a lot of different things with. Um, and then obviously, uh, Matabuke, uh, I'm always really hesitant to see rookies, you know, how much they produce. But the D-line is definitely a place that, that you can come in day one. Um I mean, they got a lot of pieces there. It, it, it's it's going to be really exciting to see what they come up with. Right. You 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 mentioned the outside guys they have. They have obviously Ferguson. They have McPhee, uh, Bowser, and Judon were 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 at the end of the season the regulars on third down on the outside, and they were playing you know Ferguson and Ward on the inside. So it's five guys they have at outside linebacker. I see. I, I, let me let me ask how you see it, but I kind of see it as as. Ferguson and Ward will take a larger two-down role this year, and that I expect Bowser to be pretty much a specialist on third down. So when you say a two-down role, do you mostly mean in pass rushing, pass rushing situations, or do you mean early downs on, on run defense? I mean, I think they're going to rely on those guys more on run defense. I think McPhee is yeah. probably the best run defender on the team. But I don't know, with so limited a, a practical number of snaps that he can play, at least I think so, I don't think you can you can make him into just a um, a two-down run stopper. I think you really have to use him in, in passing situations as well, and, and that is going to eat up a bunch of his snaps. 
Certainly. Yeah. I'm curious to see, you know, how they allot those guys snaps. Um, there's just so many bodies that, that it's really hard to get an idea of who they see where, you know, obviously with COVID and everything going on, you know, really looking forward to training camp and, and preseason. If it happens, you're going to see so many, you're going to start to get an idea of how this roster, you know, takes shape. Um, I think typically in, even in mid June, you can, of the 53 guys, you know, put a pretty solid 48 to 50 of them. And you can't quite do that this year. Um, especially it's, it's going to be a completely different schedule. Um, but no, as far as, as what downs they use the guys on, um, I mean, I, I defer to you on, on that one. Uh, it, I'd say it's just it's tough to say with so many bodies at the moment, especially so many new bodies, you know, the young guys and and the free agents we brought in. Uh, we had, I think, one of the fewest returning roster numbers like league wide. Um, Most GDFA spots. Yeah, it, it's going to be a wild year. So, yeah, it's a I, I love the fact that. They have a lot of bodies, period, because most of those guys will be active on game day. The Ravens activated five outside linebackers a fair amount. And what that means to me is that it the Ravens should not get themselves into a position where they're having to defend a lead and have a tiring pass rush out there to do it. So you can, you can obviously what's real important at that point in the game is to be able to swap in people who are at least almost as good as pass rushers as you're you know, ideal unit. And the Ravens really don't have a problem with that. And they don't have a problem coming with scheme either. So a lot of the things, you know, that Merlin Olson would say about, you know, there's nothing more tiring than pass rushing. They don't have to affect this team. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, the past couple of years, they've done a phenomenal job as far as rotation, keeping guys fresh. Um, you've seen that on the D line. And I think that philosophy is going to the linebackers. You know, there were years, you know, where Suggs was out there, you know, 50 plus snaps and and you'd get to a crucial third down and he'd be standing up and hands on his hips and getting in his, you know, thirties and you got to have subs out there because, you know, it, it's a huge down. But I, I think while we don't have quite the top end guys that we have at some point, we have the depth that, you know, just as much as we've ever had that you're not really losing a whole lot, whether you have Bowser or you have Judon or you have Ferguson or you have, you know, they, they have a ton of options, obviously. I, I do think Martindale's been a master of snap management, as you've been, been saying here this last couple of years. It's just been remarkable to see him kind of has to hand out snaps with an eyedropper because the Ravens only in 17 games only played 964 defensive snaps last year. That excludes penalties, but it's it's a remarkably low total. I mean, that's that's a very low total for 16 games, and that was in 17. So uh, they really won the snap count battle, and obviously with their running game on offense, uh, drained a lot of clock. From, yeah. from the defenses need to be on the field. It's crazy what a uh, 35 to 40 minutes time of possession week after week <laughs> yeah. after week will do for you. There you go. Um, what else did you want to discuss? We're, we're talking about pass rush, edge rusher. What else do you think is a, is an interesting topic for 2020? Yeah. So, you know, the, the secondary, obviously, I think, you know, any, any conversation on defense with the Ravens kind of has to, has to start and almost even end with the secondary um, obviously there's, there's been a massive shift in the past couple years. Um, I, I'd argue, you know, Patriots fans or, or, uh, you know, some other teams might, might, 
you know, take some gruff with this, but I'd argue we have bar none the best secondary in the league, or at least the deepest secondary. You know, when you've got Earl Thomas and then Chuck Clark obviously filled in phenomenally last year, and then the the cornerback group is just embarrassing of riches, you know, with with Marlon Humphrey and Peters and Jimmy Smith and Tavon Young, who, you know, knock on wood, will hopefully see a full 16 games this year. And if Tavon Young and Jimmy Smith both play a full season, I, I should just buy a lottery ticket. Uh, but, you know, as far as what they do with those guys in the blitz and, and what they do, you know, forcing pass rush via coverage, uh, I think that's kind of been their MO lately. You know, you man up and, and if it takes a quarterback, you know, five, six, seven seconds to, to find a guy, someone's going to get home in that amount of time. Yeah, very true. The, the Ravens led the league in quarterback hits last year. They also led the league in, in roughing the passer penalties, which is a close cousin of quarterback hits. But a lot of those came, just as you say, on plays where they uh, had an extended pocket and you give a guy who's not winning a one-on-one pass rush uh, uh, matchup a chance to get home late. And those things have real value. It's not just that, hey, your secondary held up for all this time. It's you knock the quarterback down, and that, that has an impact over time. Uh, you know, it's just it's quarterbacks get battered. They get gun shy. I think the, the, the case in point from this last season was Deshaun Watson. Uh, they took forever to get to him. And yet he was like a trapped bird in a cage in that pocket. He was just flitting all over the place and not, not keeping his eyes downfield. Yeah, no, that that's a phenomenal example. You could see in that game, you know, the the first quarter he was eating us alive with slants to to DeAndre Hopkins, and and he was hanging in tough, and 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 he was just consistently, you know, picking on whoever had Hopkins. And just as the game wore on, he he took hits and hits, and he just he wasn't getting rid of the ball as quickly, and and Hopkins kind of almost disappeared from the game, you know, even though he was he was feasting early, it. it the pass rush in the secondary over time, you know, kind of built up when uh, when Watson and slowly chipped away and and became dominant as the game moved on. Yeah, I, I you know one of the one of the basic concepts of baseball is it's very difficult to separate the impact of pitching and fielding in terms of not uh, giving up runs. But I think definitely that's true in football as well, that it's very difficult to separate the impact of the pass rush and the coverage in terms of shutting down the passing game. They, they contribute to each other in so many different ways. It's, it's really hard to, uh, to enumerate them. But if you, have a, if you have a great pass rush, you almost always had a, a, a great secondary behind that. And like you mentioned, the Ravens are, are one of the teams in the NFL, the Patriots and other, the few others who are really built back to front. I mean, the, the money has been mostly spent on the back end. They're trying to get by with less on the front end. Certainly. And, you know, as you mentioned earlier, uh, you know, even Wink threw out, you know, uh, double corner blitzes, single corner blitzes sent Earl at times. Um, I, I think we're going to see more of that, especially with the physicality that we have in our secondary, which isn't always common. You know, I think Jimmy and Marlon are, are some of the biggest yeah. thumpers you'll ever see at corner. Marcus Peters, obviously, a little bit less so. Um, but, no, I mean, obviously, that as from a film study perspective, that that's very exciting to look forward to as well. All right. All right, well, looking forward to the season coming up. Certainly hope we have it happen. Uh, Josh, we appreciate you uh, coming on the show and talking to us here for, for a few minutes. 
anything you'd like to talk about? I know where I met you was on the Reddit boards. Can you tell people what those are, how they get there? Yeah, so the, the, the site's a little convoluted at first, but if, if you take the time, there's there's a fair bit of good information out there. Um, so there's, there's you know, team-specific subreddits, as they call them. Um, there's the Ravens one, I believe, has, you know, 40 or 50,000 members at this point. Um, as you spend more time there, it's it's a community of more of 100 to 500 consistent people. Um, obviously, in the offseason right now, content's a little lighter. You know, you see a lot of humorous posts. But throughout the season, there will be really good analysis and breakdowns. And it's just very community-driven. Um, you know, anyone at any time, you can you can submit your content um, I'll often post draft breakdowns or sometimes uh, salary cap allocations to different positions. Um, maybe I'll be watching a game, you know, sitting in 123 and, and something piques my interest. And, you know, by Wednesday, I'll, I'll have a long form, couple paragraphs on it up on the subreddit. Um, definitely a good place to, you know, do some Ravens reading uh, when you're not, you know, learning as much as you possibly can uh, listening to Ken and film study here. I appreciate that. The discussion's at a very high level on the on the Reddit board. So if you search for r slash Ravens, you'll you'll find that board. It's called Ball So Hard University, <laughs> right? And and uh, and there is some definitely some light content. So you kind of have to search for the for some deeper content. I wish they had a way to identify that. That would really be good if there was a way to identify you know either hot posts or or technical posts or whatever because there are a fair number of memes and seem to be a lot of buck allen content about a year or two ago so it's some of it's yeah. kind of hard to cut through so that, that that's the one thing with the site uh you know certain subreddits that they'll put these things called tags on where where they'll have uh you know original content or uh good discussion or things like that um i, I think that that's actually really good feedback uh you know for the moderators of the subreddit um, obviously again in the off season right now, you have a lot of kind of humorous content and that, that bubbles to the top because it's kind of the lowest common denominator. Someone clicks on it, it's funny and, and, you know, they push it up the page. Um, but some of the really hidden gems, you know, you kind of have to kind of scroll a little bit sometimes and, uh, but you'll find really good stuff on there. Is it, have they, I know if you go to other teams forums on some of the scout sites and whatnot, you'll see Heinz field is it like a general Steelers thing? And then they have some other more uh, specific analytic or, or deeper sites. Have they talked about splitting the subreddit into, is there a, is there a sub subreddit or is that, is that. Yeah. So the, they certain subs have tried that in the past. Uh, the NFL subreddit has, uh, has tried breaking off like, you know, NFL memes or NFL film study or NFL draft. Um, sometimes if the topic is, is big enough, uh, like the NFL draft subreddit has gotten, uh, particularly large. Um, but a lot of times you just end up kind of fracturing your user base and, and the new sub just kind of falls to the wayside because it never gains traction. Um, it's kind of one of those things like social media sites. You just, you have to have enough users that eventually it, it just kind of catches fervor. Uh, it, it, it's very weird and interesting as far as what catches on there and what doesn't. Um, I, I can't particularly speak to, you know, how that happens, but. All right. Well, worth a try for certain. I've met, you know, probably 10 really good, interesting people. I love talking about football with out on, out on r slash Ravens and, and definitely a, a site to give it a try. Also want to encourage folks, if you're interested in doing a film study short, 
uh, talk about your own content, talk about a study you want to do, or just talk about the pass rush like Josh and I did here. Love to have you on. That's a lot of the content I do in the off season. I'm looking for you know these 20 to 30 minute discussions that are a little bit shorter than the normal content in season. And uh, contact me on Twitter. That's the easiest way at Film Study Ravens. Uh, Josh, thanks again for joining us. A, a terrific discussion here, and uh, appreciate you on. Anytime you want, buddy, you come on back uh, with another topic. I appreciate that, Ken. Thank you so much, man. Take it easy, folks. We'll see you next time on Film Study. Birdland Sports. For fans, by fans. Find more great shows like this at birdlandsports.com. Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first two-in-one removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's list of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. U.S. only. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.